Hi, I'm Pastor Ron from Full Gospel in Reedley, California. So good to be with you today. I am going to be talking about something I'm looking forward to. And before we get into it, let's pray. Lord, open your word to our hearts. Help us to hear it. Help us to receive it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. A beloved Bible teacher, Chuck Swindoll, he stated that one out of every 30 verses in the Bible mentions the subject of the end of time or Christ's return. Well, today I'm talking about the second coming of Christ. For those of you that don't know, it will come in two phases. The first phase is the rapture. The rapture is where Christ comes, calls his believers to meet him in the air, and that we're caught up to be with the Lord. Uh, then there's a period of eight, of seven years of tribulation, uh, with the climax at the end will be the second coming of Jesus. And this is where he comes and sets his feet on the earth. You say, why is it so important? Because humanity always gets things messed up. We look at the future and we think of heaven. We think of being with loved ones who've gone on, who love Jesus. Um, and those are significant. But the most significant thing that will happen in the future will happen here on the earth. And the Bible talks about that in Revelation 1, verse 1. It says, The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave to him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And then in verse 7, that same chapter, he says, Behold, he is coming with clouds, and every eye will see him, even they who've pierced him. And all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, amen. This is a picture of the second coming. Why will people mourn when they see Jesus at the second coming? Because the people here on the earth had rejected him. They had chosen to live without God. They had come under the influence of the Antichrist. And when Christ is revealed, it will be such a shock to them that they will mourn. They will realize we were wrong. We thought there was no God. We thought that Christ was just a figment of the imagination. Well, whole books and uh, chapters of the Bible are are devoted to the subject of the second coming of the Lord. In fact, the second coming of the Lord is mentioned in the Psalms, in the uh, prophets, by the apostles, and by the Lord himself on numerous occasions. Some doctrines of the Bible are even dependent on this, so that's why this is of such importance. Christ's complete victory over Satan cannot be completed until he returns. And he has promised to return, and he will. So here's my first point this morning. The place of his second coming. As I mentioned, the second coming of Christ will take place. He will come to this earth. In fact, the Word of God tells us that when he returns to earth, it will be at the same place where he left the earth. In Acts chapter 1, verses 9 through 11, it says this, Now when he had spoken these things while they watched, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight, while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up. 
Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, who was taken up from you into heaven, will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. Then they returned to Jerusalem from the mount called Olivet, which is near Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. Jesus ascended from the Mount of Olives. The angel told him that he would return to the same place. In Zechariah 14, 1-4, we see this. Behold, the day of the Lord, uh, 1, 1 1-4, Behold, the day of the Lord is coming, and your spoil will be divided in your midst. For I will gather all the nations to battle against Jerusalem. The city shall be taken, the houses rifled, and the women ravished. Half of the city shall go into captivity, but the remnant of the people shall not come uh, shall not be cut off from the city. Then the Lord will go forth and fight against those nations as he fights in the day of battle, and in that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives, which faces Jerusalem on the east. You see, our world has not seen the last of Jesus. He's coming back again. Some people don't understand the second coming of Christ and, and, and the rapture. They are two different events, as I mentioned earlier. I mentioned the rapture will take place in the air. We'll be caught up to meet the Lord in the air. The second coming is when Christ come to the, comes to this earth. The Bible talks about this in 1 Thessalonians 4, 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, the dead in Christ will rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. I think it's very important that we realize the difference between these two. The rapture will take place at the beginning of the tribulation. The second coming will take place at the end of the tribulation. The rapture is when Christ comes for his church. The second coming is when Christ comes with his church. The rapture is when Christ will come in the air. The second coming is when Christ will come to the earth. The rapture is when the Lord comes as a thief. There'll be no signs. The second coming is when he comes with many signs. The rapture will come when, as I mentioned, as a thief, it'll be unseen. The second coming is when everyone who is here on the earth will see him. The second coming of Christ will be the most fearful thing that humanity has ever had to face on this earth. It says in Luke 21, 27, Then they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and great glory. This coming is the second coming. He will literally come to the earth. So the earth is the place of his second coming. But here's the second point. What is the purpose of his second coming? You know, it will be a day that every child of God has been longing for. It will be a time when Christ comes to reclaim that which is his. In Revelation 19 verse 11, it shares the picture of it happening. Now I saw heaven opened, and behold, a white horse, 
and he who sat on him was called Faithful and True, and in righteousness he judges and makes war. So here's Christ coming on a white horse. His identity is called Faithful and True. Can you imagine what that means to a world that has rejected those qualities? It's been unfaithful in so many things, in relationships, in commitments, in loyalties. Most of all, it has been unfaithful to the real and holy God. We've been self-oriented, self-sufficient, loyal to no one but ourselves. And yet the Bible calls Jesus faithful. It also calls him true. The Bible says he remains faithful. He cannot deny himself. For he who promised is faithful. 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Even as the Lord spoke to the Laodicean church in Revelation 3, that lukewarm church, he says to the angel, the church of the Laodiceans write, these things says the amen, the faithful and true witness. What does that say about God? He's coming because he's faithful. It also says he's true. John the Baptist speaking about Jesus said, he who has received his testimony has certified that God is true. Revelation 3, 7 to the faithful church at Philadelphia. It says, and to the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these things says he who is holy, he who is true, he who has the key of David, he who opens and no one shuts and shuts and no one opens. And then here you have in the middle of the tribulation when these martyrs are being killed and, and they're with God in heaven, and they cry out. It's recorded in, in Revelation 6.10. And they cried with a loud voice saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, until you judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth. And here at the end of the tribulation, the Lord comes riding on a white horse. And he's called faithful and true. His faithfulness and his true nature will shock this world that is unfaithful and untrue. What does he come for? He's not coming to make a social call. It says he comes in righteousness to judge and make war. You know, this side of Christianity, we don't see too much today. You know, we talk about God is love, that he's merciful, he's graceful, he's long-suffering, and he is all of those things. But there will come a day when God says, it's enough. You know, and we see during the tribulation, humanity has began to experience these judgments come upon them. And rather than softening their heart, it just gets harder and harder against God. And here comes the Lord in righteousness to judge and to make war. You know, there are many people who think, well, war is never justified. Well, the word they use in righteousness here is the Greek word that means justification. And here God has been pouring out his wrath on a wicked world during this tribulation time. 
But in righteousness, it means that he's just in what he's doing. Evil men deserve justice, and he gives them what they deserve. Now, in the Bible, it tells us that he's just in what he has done, and he is just in what he will be doing and what he's preparing to do. Well, what is he preparing to do? He's preparing to make war. And this will be the war of all wars. This will be the Armageddon. This is a battle where God destroys all the evil men and women on the face of the earth. God has been long-suffering with people, waiting for them to come to him and and repent. (coughs) Excuse me. But they do not. This is a war that will usher in the millennium, the millennial reign of Christ, And this will be a war that Christ is involved in. This is a war that mankind will see the Lord in a way they've never seen him before. It says in Revelation 19, verses 12 and 13, His eyes were like a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. He had a name written on him that no one knew except himself. He was clothed with a white, with a robe dipped in blood. And his name is called the Word of God. It's no wonder that people run and hide from this. You have someone coming with eyes of fire. It looks like their garments are filled with blood. It looks like they've, they're doing some mop-up work there. You're going to be terrified. It's no wonder. The Bible says men's heart will fail them. Remember Jesus said, Vengeance is mine. I will repay. This is the day of God's payback. The Lord will not come at the second coming to stand on a hill with his hands up to heaven and and say, come unto me. No, this is a time he'll come to make war against the inhabitants of of the world. And his name is called the Word of God. The Word of God. That's why it's so important we call our Bibles the Word of God. That's what we need to stand on, believe in, because when he comes back to make war, he's called the word of God. That's why I believe what's in the Bible was sent from God to us. Well, let's look at the third point. Who are the participants in the second coming? It says in Revelation 19, verse 14, And the armies of heaven, clothed in fine linen, white and clean, followed him on white horses. If you'll notice there, it says the armies, plural. Who are these armies that follow him? Well, the first one is the army of the saints. When Jesus returned to the earth, the Bible said, and the armies in heaven followed him. Who are these? They're clothed in fine linen, white and clean. Well, I believe this is the saints of God. In Revelation 19, verse 8, it's talking about the bride of Christ. And it says that they were granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. This army is going to be composed of all the redeemed who followed the Lord down through the ages. And they are now following him back to the earth. You know, the Bible says in the book of Jude, a quote from Enoch of the Old Testament. Yet it's finally recorded in the book of Jude. Jude 1, 14 and 15. Now Enoch, the seventh from Adam, 
prophesied about these men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. So here you have an army of Old Testament, New Testament saints. You'll have the saints, but there'll be another factor too. There will be the army of angels. Matthew 25, 31, it says, When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all the holy angels with him, then he will sit on the throne of his glory. The Apostle Paul talks about this in 2 Thessalonians 1, 6-10. Since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest with us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. These shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. So here you have coming with the Lord, the army of saints and angels. I love to be in that army. Well, here's a fourth point, the power of his second coming. You see, when we go into battle, we love and need a large army. Because the more people we have, the stronger we'll be. One of the players in the end times is mentioned in Revelation 9.16 that they have an army of 200 million. That's an amazing amount of people. The Lord will return with the army of saints and angels, but this is not how he's going to defeat the Antichrist. God has a totally different way. You see, when Christ came the first time, he came with such humility He left heaven and came to this earth to die for our sin and rise again. Never has someone so high stooped so low, but at his second coming, he's not coming back as a helpless child. He's not coming back to allow wicked men to nail him to a cross. At his second coming, he's coming to make war against those who rejected his love and his forgiveness. And when he makes war with the enemy, even though he has this vast army with him, he's not going to use that army. The Bible says all he will need to do is speak the word and they are destroyed. In Revelation 19, verse 15, listen what it says. Now out of his mouth goes a sharp sword, that with it he should strike the nations, and he himself will rule them with a rod of iron. He himself treads the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. You see, for the Lord to defeat the enemy of our souls, the Antichrist, he's not going to need nuclear weapons. 
The Bible says what comes out of his mouth is a sharp sword, which he's going to use to strike the nations. Think how powerful that is. The world is amassing armies and weapons to take on the Almighty God in that final battle. And here, uh, the enemy's using artificial intelligence and all the other things at his disposal. But all God needs to do is speak a word. Words are powerful. In fact, when you look through the scripture, the Bible says a lot about our words. And, and with as much as God uses words for good, like in the sharing of the gospel, words can also be used for evil. The Bible says in Proverbs 6, 16 to 20, these six things the Lord hates. Yes, seven are an abomination to him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift in running to, to evil, a false witness that speaks lies, and one who sows discord among brethren. Words have power. If you remember how God created the world, he spoke and it came into being. In the end, he's going to speak again and it's going to be done. Like I said, the gospel's good news. And that's what we have right now. We have good news. Evil words are used, and they're things that God hates by, by lying, by false testimony, by sowing discord among brethren. But there's one thing we need to know, and that's what I love about the second coming, and that is God has the last word. God has the last word. And God wants the world to know one more thing at his coming. He wants all those who had rejected him to know who he is. Verse 16 in Revelation 19, it says, And he has on his robe and on his thigh a name written, King of kings and Lord of lords. The whole world will know that the Antichrist is not the King of kings and the Lord of lords. The world will know that they don't have the final word. God does. Jesus is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Isn't it strange how men love to strut around like they're God, boasting in their power and authority, and when Jesus comes, the world will mourn because their authority and power was nothing compared to the almighty Christ who's coming. In Revelation 19, 17 to 21, here's what happened. Then I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the birds that fly in the midst of heaven, come and gather together for the supper of the great God, that you may eat the flesh of kings, the flesh of captains, the flesh of mighty men, the flesh of horses and of those who sit on them, and the flesh of all people, free and slave, both small and great. And I saw the beast, the kings of the earth, their armies, gathered together to make war against him who sat on the horse and against his army. Then the beast was captured, and with him the false prophet who worked signs in his presence by which he deceived those who received the mark of the beast." and those who worshipped his image. 
These two were cast alive into the lake of fire, burning with brimstone. The rest were killed with the sword, which proceeded from the mouth of him who sat on the horse. And all the birds were filled with their flesh. If you've read the book, you know how it ends. God wins. And that's something I want to share with everyone listening today. You may feel defeated. You may feel like things have come against you. But if you love Jesus, you are on the winning team. Right now, the war is not over, but it will be one day. And you will be victors with him. This second coming of Christ is a day of victory. We will see our God as we've never seen him before, as a warrior who fights against injustice, where he fights taking vengeance into his hands because he said, I will repay. Jesus comes to defeat the Antichrist and reclaim this world. But today we read all this, we say, well, that's future. It's not too far off, I tell you. But what we need to know is we need to know Jesus in his love and grace and mercy, which he offers today. I'm not a used car salesman trying to pawn something off on you. I want you to know things that will make your life wonderful and abundant. And that is having that relationship with Jesus Christ. He forgives us. He's faithful and just to forgive us. We just need to ask. We have to confess our sin. If you've not done that, you can do that now. Ask him to forgive you. Come into your heart. Be your savior. Be in God's army. If you're a Christian and maybe you feel defeated, the battle's not over. And I've told you who wins. You're on the winning side. I'd like us to pray. Lord, I pray today that your word will find resident in our hearts. Lord, we don't cut out certain passages of the Bible we don't understand or can't figure out. Lord, we want to share truth. Your word is truth. And Lord, it says one day you're coming back and you're going to give payback. You're going to make the wrong things right. You're going to right the wrongs done against us. Lord, I pray today for everyone listening. Lord, that we would be your people, would walk with you, and be strengthened by your word in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to thank you for listening. I'd love to hear back from you if you uh, have some thoughts on the message, questions. If you need prayer, we have a prayer site. You can go on our our internet site and you can just click the tab share your prayer requests we're happy to pray for you and i want to say thank you that to those who support us financially Uh, thank you for those who give may god bless you and keep you make his face shine upon you and be gracious go with god